Good day, listeners. We present to you our podcast, Wounded Hearts, Wounded Churches. We discuss a variety of topics that are important to the church. Examples include sexual abuse, all types of addictions, religious abuse, and recovery. This platform provides counseling sessions, meaningful question and answer, and a counseling continuum. Our co-hosts include Ms. Lolita, Personnel Director, Mrs. Tennille, our Technical Director. We have an impressive array of program contributors. And I'm your host. My name is Prince, founder of Antioch Youth Center, 5013C program, licensed counselor, now retired. So join in this exciting podcast, Wounded Hearts, Wounded Churches, and be a part of the healing process. So tonight we have a very special guest, and I underlined the word special. Uh, Glenn A. Williams is a speaker, a husband, and a very prolific author. Uh, we're happy to have him tonight, friends. He's wrote a riveting book called Betrayal in the Church, and it is an exciting read. I'm going to read the summary briefly. Glenn's marriage is about over and his wife had an affair with his best friend and mentor, which happened to be a bishop over several churches. In this book, vividly communicates the agony and brokenness and discovery adultery and the long road to healing. Now, friends, you can purchase this exciting read. I found out today doing a study that it's at goodreads.com, arthurhouse.com, Alberis, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, most anywhere. In fact, Glenn and I have the same publisher. Uh, I, I wrote five books. My last one, Reach One, Reach One. We have the same publisher. We have that in common. So, Mr. Williams, hello tonight, my friend. Uh, glad to have you here. And uh, if someone wants to contact you about your book, about your new program, tell us about those things, please. Well, I would like to, um, first of all, I'm excited to be here. I think it's a topic that's long overdue and will always be a part of our history as a, a people, as mankind. And I would like to personally, me and my wife, sign copies of the book and send them to you Well, and, and have your name, if I could get your name yes, and personalize yes. it because we do appreciate it. Yes. Well, this is going to be an excellent interview. We've been waiting for it for a couple of months now, and we're just excited uh, to be here. Uh, tell us about your new program that you and your staff have put together recently. Um, as it relates to the book and what we've been through, it's something that's been ongoing since, you know, um, in the late 80s. And... Um, as far as ministry, there are so many people that have been involved in situations like this in the church, but the church doesn't talk necessarily about it. But um, my wife and myself as a ministry, um, we're helping people by our experience, by living it out transparently. And you, t you say healed and hurt or uh, being set free, they can be synonymous and they can have different aspects in terms of uh, how you define the different words. But uh, I believe that all of this is something that uh, was supposed to happen on some level. Uh, 
and you talk about law and being healed and love and being healed, and sometimes they overlap, but uh, love is the fulfillment of the law and listening to what you're saying about being healed through the law, they, they're both the same. And to understand that uh, that love that's in the law is what governs everything. And that's what our ministry is all about. All right. I'm going to show you a curveball here. Williams, do you think God allows things to happen sometimes so we can exercise forgiveness and love? Well, because God only, God knows everything before it happens. Said before we were formed in our mother's womb, he knew us. You know, he has a plan for us. We only know things as they happen right now. We don't know what's going to happen in the next minute, next hour, next year. But he already knows and he has entrusted us with certain things because of the potential that he's put inside of us to right. bless other people. Right, right. And situations that are painful brings that out. Is that, that what Absolutely. you're saying? Absolutely. <laughs> While we... <laughs> well, let's go into our questions tonight. Brother Glenn, what prompted you to write this book? It must have demanded great tenacity and courage to do that. Had to. It wasn't, it wasn't even really an option at some point. Uh, because we're so used to hiding what hurts us mm -hmm. and hiding what what makes us feel insecure is why we end up doing what we feel like we need to do. And at the time, um, I didn't have a life at that time. It's my, I was... I was just a shell of myself and uh, having to deal with some things that were going on and being healed through it, through transparency, not by hiding behind it, was what I needed to do in writing the book. And uh, as hearing other people having experience as well, it helped me to heal, but to helped me to understand, um, continue to understand who I was in Christ. Because uh, as a man, you just feel pretty deflated, insecure, responsible, irresponsible. It's a lot of negative things that goes on, but by writing and going through it, it really helped me on a, on a whole lot of levels. Any questions for our director? Not at the moment, but I, I did want to make a, a, a reference to what you said in the book. I you know, was briefing through it online, by the way, and um, you spoke about your father in the past and, um, what he had done in the past and the difficulty that you had, you know, no one asks questions. You had questions in your mind of things that happened. It was a picture that you had seen um, of this little girl and uh, you didn't know who she was, but no one asks questions. And I often think how many times, you know, that lack of communication can cause so much misinterpretation. And, uh, you know, especially within our communities, you know, we, we don't talk about it. We don't, share our feelings, emotions, questions, or concerns. And I, I think a lot of time that leads to a lot of damage and hurt. Absolutely. Yes. Brother Glenn, these questions that I have, if they cause too much emotion, we can go to the next one, okay? I don't want you to be uncomfortable, but what you have to say is, is, is healing in it. And I want to try to bring that out for our listeners. How was the deception... Let me rephrase it. How long did it go on, the deception, the issues, before 
it was exposed. Um, four to four and a half years. Okay, so four and a half years of what's going on. Okay, okay. How long were you married before the program, before the problems arose? Um, we married in, in, uh, in 83. So thereabouts, a couple of years after that, Lynn, did you see any, any signs of the betrayal? Uh, I bring that up. Uh, in my counseling profession, I did a long-term volunteer with the suicide prevention people. And what I found out is that when people have major decisions, they leave signs, uh, maybe a phone call, maybe this, maybe that. In those four years, do you see any signs of betrayal or adultery that was going on in the home or whatever? Not really. Because one, I wasn't looking for it. One, I wasn't expecting it. And, um, but I did notice because, you know, I was on the pro tennis tour at the time and sometimes off coming back and then having to leave. You know, I questioned one time when we were at the airport and I saw his car park next to our car. I didn't think anything about it, but it, I thought it was strange but I had absolutely no idea. Tell me more about that moment. So you were at the port. I didn't know you were a professional tennis player. Wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> so you you were at the airport. Walk me through that one more time, but the feelings and what you saw or sensed or whatever. You know, or, felt, or how she reacted to what you said. I don't know. There was there's there was minimal reaction. Um I I, I didn't understand it, but I didn't question it because our families were so close, and uh, as as a bishop, pastor, minister, uh, mentor, I mean, when I was there, even but be, even before, even even before I did a lot of traveling, I mean, whatever needed to be done at the church, you know, five thirty prayer in the mornings every morning, opening it up, closing, you know, working the altar, baptizing, front row, tie, the whole bit, whatever it took. I mean. That's what I did, and our families were close. If you can imagine, five, six families knitted together in a state, you know, we all knew each other that closely. So, I mean, if there was an issue or a need, you know, you would think that uh, you, if there was a problem, someone would let somebody know, but there was no indication. And so that you trusted him as Absolutely. a father figure, as a... How long did you know him before the betrayal? Almost, almost all my life. I mean, I had a crush oh. on his his sister. Oh. Well. <laughs> you know, we just went to church conventions together, and we just had a great time. You know, we we just got to know each other so well, and um, everybody knows. You know, everybody just kind of knows everybody, so it's not something that you would anticipate. And I'm gonna. Uh, go quickly forward for you to be talking about this and to still be serving God is a sign of the mercy and the love of God working in your life. It really yes. is. So friends, this is wounded hearts, wounded churches. And if you've been wounded tonight in the church, I said, wherever family, whatever, there is help for you. 
Mr. Glenn's going to tell you more about his story and how God brought him through all of that. And now he's serving God in a more miraculous way than he was before. So if you've been hurt, there is help. If you need forgiveness, there is help. Reconciliation. So after that happened, was it difficult to trust ministers at large after the betrayal? Well, after knowing how real it was, uh, for a minute, I didn't, I didn't have much of a life, you know. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, and um, but God did tell me that uh, if I didn't keep love in my house, that I would lose it. And I actually could feel, I could feel the walls. The walls had spirits in my house. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and without that, you know, the existence of love and and growing and becoming is not even possible. Uh, you mentioned the reality of it. Do you think that you saw it but didn't want to see what you saw? Mm. Absolutely not. I mean, I knew that that my wife was supposed to be who she was um, years. I, I mean, bef years before we got married. You know, I knew that she was the one because I prayed about it. She was in Michigan. I was in Texas and we met at a national convention in, in uh, St. Louis. And uh, we exchanged numbers and and her mom said, you know, she didn't think she should come because nobody had ventured that far from home. I told her, I said, well, if you think it's not right, then just I just tell her that's not the right thing to do. She called me back. She said, come and get her. She came and lived here three years here. And I knew that. I didn't want her wasting my time and me wasting her time. I knew that she was the right one. It was it was no mistake. And that was the confusing part is because I knew I asked God if this was the one and if it was right. And uh, she worked three years on her own, got engaged, got married. I, I sung two songs at the wedding and played. God made me for you and you for me. And that was it. So you sung two songs at the wedding. Yeah. Played and sung. Yeah. I think you got the record. I think you got the record on, on that one. Uh, did the betrayal bring in friends who knew about it but didn't want to talk about it? Family members or people? There, there were people that knew, but I didn't. And that's that's the difficulty because as we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our life, that's the, that's dropping the pebble in the pond. And from there, things just swell and get better and better. But when you don't drop it and you hold it and you try to live a life through Christ holding the pebble, everything falls apart. How early did those friends know in the first year it happened, in the last couple of years, or when did they know, generally speaking? Well, this is this is just what I, I heard. I knew other people. Now, you know how everybody around you would be smiling with you, but then in actuality, some people do know, but no one's saying anything. You know, um, there were people after I found out, after I confronted him, you know, there were other people. And... Um, I just, I was just the one in the room that possibly didn't know. Wow. When you confronted him, walk me through that. Were y'all at the restaurant or in the church basement or in the parking lot on the phone? Walk me through that entire scenario. Well, again, it was one of those mornings where 
I was uh, going to prayer in the mornings to open up the church. And uh, my wife knew that I was going to confront him that morning. And she had called him and told him that he needed to tell the truth. And uh, I walked into his office. We sat and we talked. And uh, I said, I knew that this was, I knew what you, I know what you did. And he denied it two or three times. Uh, but God had already showed me that it was, it's really between him and maybe one other person, but I knew that it was him. And then after denial, uh, he said, yeah, it was one time it happened five or six or eight years before, but that was it. And, uh, but I knew that wasn't the truth either, you know, but God knew that that was all that I could handle at the time. Right, 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 right. Point. I, I, I understand that. Was it hard to go to church and hear preachers preach? Were you just done with the ministry, done with the preachers? Or did you, how did you get past that hurdle of trusting ministers again? Well, interestingly enough, after that meeting in his, in his office, you know, and he asked me, us to still stay in the church. I, uh, I, I, I looked at him like he was crazy because there's no way after knowing what he had done. Um, and when we, when, when I left the meeting, I said, we, I wouldn't, but I was, I went up, up in the balcony and I sat behind the cameras and the message that he preached, he preached everything that we talked about in the office. And when the sermon was over, the altar was jam-packed. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I'm just uh, taking a back. So the friends that knew, uh, and I'm sure people would talk and spread it around to some extent. People will be people. Uh, did he ever say, and just talking about general forgiveness, did he ever say in that meeting, Brother Glenn, I am sorry. Forgive Never to this day. Me. So to this day, he still not said, Never. I am sorry. And, and that's the issue. I mean, if, if we're... If we're God's righteousness, Jesus's righteousness, and we've accepted what he's done for our wrong, then there's no need not to. We're developing. The Bible says all have sinned. All is an existence word, you know, and acceptance means consent with, uh, consent with, uh, I'm going to get it right. The word acceptance means consent to receive. But see, we're so good at giving. We got a PhD in giving, but we got a kindergarten kindergarten education in receiving. If we can receive what he's done, then everything else is easy. But when we take it upon ourselves to do what only God can do, that puts us in the place that we're in right now. So in our last couple of moments here, so although he did not ask for your forgiveness, you decided to forgive him. I had to because um, 
of what Jesus did for me. Um, he he got to showing me some things in my own life that only he can could bring deliverance and healing from in my life. And it, it really broke me down. I mean, we just, we, we can't spend time or allow the enemy have to occupy time in our mind and unforgiveness. It's a prison that you'll never get out of. But once I saw and could sense the presence of God and all the things that he was doing, he told me, I mean, if I wanted to leave, stay or whatever I wanted to do, he was never going to leave me, but that I needed to remember. And once he started to show me some things that I, that he had brought me through, then that was the beginning of saying it didn't even have anything to do with him. It had everything to do with me and, and, and my relationship with Christ. Any questions from our director? Not at the moment. No, sir. All right. So he did not ask for forgiveness. And Brother Williams, so what you're saying, forgiveness is real, isn't it? We can Absolutely. talk it and say it, but... It's more than a word, isn't it? I can't even explain it. I mean, you can't even begin to do what God has called you to do if you don't forgive folks. The bitterness and the anger and the emotions are just going to completely take over your life. Wow. Friends, we're going to ask Brother Glenn to come back next week. Our time is just about gone, but this is the podcast. Wounded Hearts, Wounded Churches. And if you're hurting this evening, stay tuned to our next broadcast, 7 p.m. next Thursday. We're going to continue on this juncture of forgiveness and how it's so overlooked, yet it's an important part of the situation of, of, of being saved. You've been hurt, devastated. Well, God has a healing for you, and you are not forgotten. This podcast is about healing, reconciliation, and forgiveness. So, Brother Glenn, thanks again. Stay tuned. We're going to do another taping tonight. Thank you for our uh, directors who helped us out so much. And the Lord bless you. Amen. Amen.